Be sure to share the podcast on your favourite social media channels. I have a question for you. Magicians are actors and magic is theatrical. That's right. What does that mean? Well, I mean, it's it's a famous saying that Houdini said that ma- the role of a magician is an actor. So you're not performing, obviously, real magic. It's theatrical magic. It's magic mm-hmm. of the mind, psychology, and practical effects to create illusions. So... To be an effective magician, you have to play the role of a conductor of miracles, you know, or con- you know, of, of some sort. So, the you'll you'll look at the pattern of the best magicians in the world, and they're all playing characters. And the better they are at what they do in their craft, the better at of a character that they have constructed over the years. So that's what well, it means to me. That's that's my. I think that's a fantastic way to look at it, um, and I'm glad that uh, you had such a great way to explain it. Um, for those of you joining us, this is Dallas Fueston. Um, he is an illusionist, magician, um, illusion constructor for other magicians, um, a whole bunch of different things. Do you want to explain to us what it is that you work on? And uh, Gary, are you still there? I'm still there. Can you hear me? Yes. Houston, we, we have you. a problem. Yeah, we can hear you, man. Also, Houston, I, I should, a problem. How you doing? Before we get started with the interview, Gary, how you doing? Tell us where you're at. Uh, I'm in Hawaii. Um, can you guys hear me? All right? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, power went out here. I'm not sure what happened. I got this sweet thing called a Shard Geek um, out under the table somewhere but it's like the world's most powerful battery and it'll power anything for a few hours so got a couple hours um and i'm not, i'm happy that uh, i got this to work dallas is one of my oldest friends um i think we go back more than 20 fuck, i don't even know how many years now what 99 98 yep. it's a super long time and uh yeah i'm, I'm super honored to have you on the show and uh, I'm glad that I was managed to make the connection here. Uh, and hopefully this Wi-Fi holds up. I think it will. And uh, I, I want to echo that. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I've been excited about this because he's told me a lot about you over the last couple of years. Um, just like the kind of work that you do and how incredible it is. And it shared a lot of the videos. And um, the fact that you are someone that combines non or a a different type of art with magic at the same time it's super fascinating because when i saw that you were doing cosplay and mixing it in with the magic it made the miracle that much cooler um where did you come up with that idea yeah so well thank you first of all for that intro and thank you gary for inviting me to the podcast here with jay uh 
I've been watching, I've been seeing some clips of what you guys do. So I think it's great. You guys have different unique people to come on and share their experiences, how they overcome their challenges. And so I'm honored to be here. Uh, so yeah, the cosplay magic actually came about because I was at a point where I had looked at myself as a failure, as a magician. I had a huge, uh, I had a business magic uh, project go very badly. And then I also got caught up in uh, the 2008 financial crisis, had to uh, go bankrupt, lose my home, all that stuff. So it was was a time of uh, a challenge and I was hitting walls with my magic career. I was doing magic uh, corporate events for years, but I wasn't uh, reaching different opportunities that I wanted to get to. And and it was almost like a love-hate relationship with magic. Mm-hmm. But then going, going into entertainment business uh, ventures also, I was happy doing those things. And I've always been on one side, uh, doing the business side of entertainment and then the other side, the entertainment part. And I'd take a little break, a hiatus from magic. And then through a bunch of different events of hitting walls and the business stuff and somehow just getting pulled back into magic, uh, started, I had to cover for one of my friend's gigs and just all of a sudden started to get the bug again to perform. And And then I was thinking that I needed something to create that was just for myself, a project, a magic project that was just for my own purpose, not for what others, what I think others will like, what others would enjoy, but I needed to almost prove to myself that I had it in me to create a unique presentation in magic. Because when you look at the... The, all the different types of magic, there's only so many different types of effects. There's vanish, appearance, mentalism, levitation, and the list goes on. It's about 11 or 12, so many different mm-hmm. um, areas of magic. So magic is basically the art of presentation. A lot of the magic you see is all the same magic tricks remixed into other tricks and changed. So... Being a magician, you're challenged with presenting it, you know, wrapping the gift in a, in, a, in a unique way to make that presentation. So I was, I was, uh, I ended up being the Joker for Halloween, and people were just like, "Well, you, you're a, you're a good Joker. You'd be a great Joker." Don't then, make up. I have to tell you that video. It's uh, like, holy shit, that's good. Thank you, thank you. So. I, I was taking an acting class a couple years before that. And uh, my my uh, professor in the class or the, the, the acting teacher was like, you know, Dallas, you should consider playing a villain with your magic character. Like, and I was such an opposite role for me because that's just not my appearance. That's just not who I am. I'm just more chill. And then when I thought of the idea years later of being doing magic as the Joker and and then thinking about the villain character, it, it just settled in. 
And then I just started sharing these ideas with some of my friends um, and then kind of got a group of people together that were creatives to help me uh, put the presentation together and to create the vision. So yeah, it, and then it snowballed from there. It just went, it went from me doing, being the Joker and doing magic to incorporating the whole Suicide Squad movie and the characters. And that all ha happened with collaboration of different people that I brought in. And just, uh, so yeah, it was just like, hey, and then, and to be honest, I didn't expect it to blow up as much as it did and get traction. I just literally did it for myself. I was like, I need to prove to myself that I can be creative again. And that's why it blew up. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, I believe that when we're authentic and we're our most passionate and we're not doing it for other people, those are the things that people flock to the most and enjoy. You can smell originality, authenticity, and happiness in something, and that shows through in that kind of art. You can tell when someone believes the character they're playing in the moment, and they love doing it in the moment. It makes it a lot different, and you brought up something really cool earlier when you mentioned that magicians over time, the greats, have been able to develop a character, <laughs> and they're able to function with that as if it's reality at any given time. And I would I would like to to add on to that, that I believe that the majority of the people that are successful in these roles are not only a character, but more so being themselves because we're so odd and unique as people. It's so rare that we get to see someone acting in such a manner that we assume it's a character, which it is. But to a certain degree, I feel like those people are the ones that are giving us the clearest view of what that art is because they're being themselves and we're attracted to it. And I think that's probably one of the things that it looks like you were able to reach down into what was a darker time and find real the art that made you feel happy about what you were doing again and was able to create that. Sorry, I just like to point out these things as yeah. I go along and it just seemed pretty fitting. Yeah, actually, that's a good point, Jay. Um in fact, you know, when you study psychology and as a magician, we're essentially psychologists in mm. a sense, because we're always looking at it. Uh, belief systems and how people think and how to, you know, work around people's perceptions, to create illusions. But in life, we're all playing roles. Either we're a husband, a mm -hmm. father, a son, a daughter, a teacher, whatever we put on these masks and go play a role, <laughs> essentially. You know, the logo is masks. That's exactly what you're describing is why we have the show. Yeah. This is amazing. Please yeah. go on. And as, as your logo has the uh, duality of the dark and the light, the yin and the yang. Um, so like, yeah, in that role and that particular project, I had to call upon my shadow side, I guess, to play that role, right? The villain almost of uh, facing kind of facing my failures head on yeah. and facing, you know, almost what I felt was, uh, I guess at the time damaged or, or challenged at my failures, but then facing them and kind of overcoming them and proving in to myself that I could create something unique again. And then, uh, yeah, it became a cool uh, expression. Uh, artistic expression or just a cool project, however you want to frame it. But it mm -hmm. was fun. And and it led to many other uh, opportunities of creation. And, and uh, yeah, it's 
the journey of magic has been really a journey of life for me because every time that magic, either I've pushed it out of my life or it's, I've hit walls of challenge, then something will come back to me and pull me back into the magic world. It's happened time and time again. It's like, I can't escape it. Amazing it just how that keeps works, pulling right? me back in. Yeah. And I know that, I think that has to do with, um, when people are doing something that they're, that's ingrained into their patterns. It's almost like ritualistic in a sense where you're, you're kind of cycling this energy as you're building these skills and practicing these crafts or skill sets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe with the way that maybe the world works, it pulls you back in to those, those present it's moments to focus DNA. back on those. You know, you're yeah, like, the, it is or, right. you know, like people are born a fighter or like an entertainer or, or whatever they are. People are, I think are like born in some way and like they'll find their way to that thing. And once they find it, it just becomes part of, it, you know, and it's like, I don't know any magicians, you know, I, I've worked with Chris Angel and I've worked with others, you know, I've worked with Penn and I've worked with these guys like, but I don't know them, you know, and, you know, I think like you get a different perception of like what a actor or a movie star, like these things that don't really ever get to meet people that are this certain thing. Like you might have an idea of like what an actor's like, what a NBA player's like, what, you know, these different roles you just see as entertainers, singers, rap, like whatever, you know, and it's like becomes like a thing and like put all those people into a box. Like actors act this way or NBA players, NFL players act a certain way, you know, and it's like to bring outside of that mold of that one, like general categories, I think is, is tough. And I think like people think of like magicians, like either get negative connotation, like, oh, that's like dorky or it's, it's crazy, a crazy person. That's like a copper field, like bigger than life, you know? And I think that like mm -hmm. when you could be like a normal guy, like Dallas is like, he's a normal, like the guy is, he's as cool as they come. Like, I'll talk to anybody, I'll be friends with everybody. Like I've never seen any negative out of him in my life, you know. But then when he, he turns it on, he's like a different person. You know, like when he was a joker, I didn't know Dallas in that role. I didn't, he didn't like feel like him at all. It was a different person. Like he I becomes love that. the magician, the the performer, he's a different dude. Like it just he changes. Like he plays that character, but it's like I don't know. Like even when he's just himself, he doesn't make up costume on. He's not the same guy. Even if he breaks <laughs> out a deck of cards right now and does some shit that I'm like, how the fuck do you do that? And why won't you tell me? It's been 22 years. So, so. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I love that. Yeah, he, he becomes a, just a different guy. It's like, it's like I like to feel like when I get the microphone and like start rapping or like performing, like I become like it's part of me. It's you know, Don Ruckus is like the wild teenager side of me still that like thinks he's a gangster, but like it comes out from like a part of my like, DNA. It's like, you know, he turns mm -hmm. on, it's like a different, it's him, but it's like, it's a different piece. And I think that's ingrained in you. That's why it drags you back. And it's, it's going to be part of you. You can be 95 years old in the nursing home. And you're like, Hey, come here. Pulling <laughs> <laughs> it to pins out of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that, man. You can't be that guy. Like <laughs> cheating some guy out of his pudding cup. With no, a no, 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 no. Can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> just, like, that's, that's you. Man. That's funny. Like, 
<laughs> I don't see Dallas doing that. <laughs> something awesome though that you just won't That's expect. Right. How do you do that? Like, why is that floating? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? There, just like, fucking with the staff. <laughs> I would. You know, I, um, time. go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, you know, I think it's just you're stuck with it, you know, and like, and uh, Nick Diaz had like the famous thing about fighting. You just like have to love it so much you fucking hate it, and like be it. It's one of those things, like a labor of love. Like you're being judged on your art all the time. You know, something you might mm-hmm. just kill yourself over. People just might not like it. And there's something that you might think is going to suck. And then everybody loves it. And sometimes if you're always guessing, but the moment you stop guessing and just did what you wanted to do, like things change. You know, I, I, I make shirts when I have it says chase dreams, not bags. I started doing that more. I started making more money. I wasn't chasing mm-hmm. money. Like I found things I loved and I was good and passionate about them. And then I just went hard in that direction and good things start to happen. You know, if I was like, how can you make money? Like even the podcast, like, you know, you mm-hmm. can look up lists of like the most successful podcasts, in what category, and that's always going to change. I want to do a podcast about this. I'm like everyone tries to do that. Rarely successful. Oh shit, it changed. Or I want to do YouTube videos about unboxing or I want to do YouTube videos about this. And then everyone tries to do it rarely does it work but if you love something you start doing a show about it writing about it performing about it like it might not be successful but you have a way better shot i believe like and you're gonna enjoy it at least along the way even if it doesn't have like financial success yeah you know if you've got something powerful to say podcasting is just a megaphone that's mm-hmm. it. it it's the background it's the shit that just gets you to where you're going So it's not anything that you need to worry about except for just how to fucking make it run smooth. If you don't love what it is that you're talking about, you're screwed. Mm -hmm. You can be popular. You can have a stack of fucking coins like Scrooge McDuck, but you're not going to be fucking happy. Mm -hmm. You're not going to love it at all. You're just going to look at it and be pissed that you got to fucking walk around it all the way to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. That's it. Because it means absolutely nothing. I'm really fascinated with uh, with this Joker... And the evolution of of your career, mm-hmm. because now you you use certain terminology like shadow self and things like that, and th- these are real terms. These are Carl Jung and some other people talk about these, and there's some other actors out there, like when Jim Carrey played, I think it was like Andy Kaufman or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you get into these situations where you're facing your own psyche and mm-hmm. your ability to love. Your shadow self and embrace it is when really you start to become a stronger force in your creativity and your livelihood. And I'm curious, when you're in there and you are facing yourself, did you find at that point that this was when you got to be authentic with what you were pursuing? I think it at the time... There was not inauthentic before. I apologize. Yeah, but I mean, like now with this newfound art. Yeah. So let's be let's be completely real about it. There's been a journey that about my magic career that was about chasing my ego, you know, and being like wanting to see my name and lights and billboards and be on the strip and this, you know, have a whole headliner show and you know, doing it for feeding my ego's purpose. That was uh, probably 
majority of my younger part of my career leading, you know, as I was a, a child learning to be a magician. And then even when I was, when I met Gary and years after, when I had those challenges that I was speaking about before, my intentions were good, but they weren't always set a hundred percent in, I would call my authentic self, you know, more of an intentional space of the why of what I do, right? We always have to question mm -hmm. ourselves of, you know, people get caught up in the what, but the why is, is really the intention part and why we set off into the direction to do what we're, what we're doing in our journey and our being, you know, in our human being, like, what are we doing? Like, and why, why are we doing it? So, uh, the Joker project that that video was a, a builder for me, an internal builder to, to prove to myself that. I could a believe in myself again, creative in a creative way, and then uh, take more risks, and then also face failure straight on. Because the project that I did before that, years before that, that failed, was very similar to cosplay magic. It was probably the birth of what the Joker was, and um, it's stuff that's buried now. A lot, not a lot of people have seen it, but I I created. Uh, I created a magic project that was a live fantasy uh, universe that had a best-selling author uh, fantasy book. It's basically if you took like David Blaine and Harry Potter and put them together. So there was these fantasy characters. I played the character of a wizard and there was all these creatures. And mm -hmm. we actually had the characters in real life. And then we had a book about them. And then there was magic performances that would be embedded uh, with the performances. But anyways, uh, it didn't catch off. It didn't take off. I think it was kind of ahead of its time creatively. I was super young mm -hmm. and naive, you know, not intentionally in the right direction, made poor right. business decisions with friends and didn't have things structured properly with the, when, when, like when we were challenged with things that are gridlock, you know, we didn't know which way to go and life had changed. Uh, a lot of our circumstances from where it started mm -hmm. and you know so basically the joker was kind of an essence of that it was what instead of it being a wizard character it was the famous villain character that people could already be uh familiar with mm -hmm. so but this one was more intentioned and i was i was more in a present moment doing it you know, for a more, a better intention and purpose. It wasn't to be known or to be famous or anything. It was just to, for myself, just it's kind of a selfish the love of the game. Yeah. It was a selfish decision, but in a positive way, I would say sometimes we have to make selfish decisions that are, that are positive for our own growth. And that's, oh, that's and, what that was, I think. And that's what this moment is though, is it is an example for the people out there that are hearing you describe this, because I'm sure you could confirm that having gone through the first trial and the first um, production that you put together and how it unfolded, that it only made the second production so much better okay. because you had already seen so many different pitfalls that existed in advance. I mean, we're supposed to create shitty stuff. Yeah. 
Like, how are you supposed to get good stuff if you don't create shitty stuff first? Oh, 100%. I don't want to know the guy that pulls out a 100 every time he fucking tries to do something. Like, that dude's just a pain in my ass. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nobody wants to hang out with that dude. I want the guy that draws, like, the... When I draw a stick figure, it's a stick figure. That's as far as the illustration goes. I need that guy first before somebody's putting out Picasso. Yeah, Sometimes 100%. Draw Picasso, but, like... You don't know how to get that Picasso on the wall in a museum. You know, you might have something that's dope, but you don't have that other piece. You know, you might create something. Damn. You might be able to make the best fucking sandwich in America, but if you can't get your restaurant open, then no one's ever eat that sandwich. You know, that's that's the tough part when art and business mesh, you know, and Damn. it's it's a, it's a skill set. Like, you might be the best fucking artist, and, you know, I I it has performance honed you know forever and then those things but it's like now i gotta sell this thing to people somehow which takes financial investment those people have to stay in everything (laughs) and it takes like it sucks you know like it's you know you could have the best product or the best performance but you know the the best you know of anything but then now you have to give that out to people which takes investors people that have put their two cents literally in figuratively into your projects and then that that becomes the prop you know and then corporate greed or just ego or whatever get involved and then it, it's it's a rough deal and you know i think one of the things that uh me and dallas were fraternity brothers our fraternity brothers from college we were we're in a fraternity called delta guy which at the time i was what what did you say it was delta Chi. Uh, oh, I thought you said felt a guy. I was like, yeah. whoa, man. This is a I joke. I, I think I punched you can't even felt a guy. Yeah, I think I punched <laughs> the kid in college making that joke. Uh, but we were like, we're the anti-fraternity fraternity. And like, I never wanted to join. I'm a gang member from Cleveland. I was not joining a fraternity, you know? And no. I was like, I'm never going to do it. It's This is stupid. But little by little, like all the friends and people I cared about the most or a majority of them in college either join uh, or you know we're like i'm never joining so we we're the delta class and we we're all the kids that were never going to join we went to parties like kicked it but we're like we're not joining and finally like we decided or they just like however it was like we all came to our, the conclusion uh in our own way uh one of our one of our brothers caesar hernandez is super high up at this uh casino or hotel that i'm staying at right now in uh, mexico but we were like you know we have like actors and magicians and singers and we're like we it's such a creative group of people that like somehow came together you know in this this one class this fraternity and the fraternity was started it's a national fraternity but it started at unlv as a multicultural anybody could join they had black fraternities white fraternities jewish fraternities there are no mixed up fraternities at all. And they, the year before I got to college, they started this thing. And, uh, you know, I was, I'm paying for your friends or what are you going to do? Hey, you're going to, you know, make them chug a fucking gallon of milk and chuck peanut butter up their ass and leave them out in the fucking desert and all this hazing. I'm like, hey, Jesus. Yeah. I'm like, try to haze me, motherfucker. And they're like, we don't do that. <laughs> You know, and they're like, I was in the army. I was in the army, and they weren't even sticking peanut butter and shit. I was like, it would fuck with you pretty hard, but that sounded pretty rotten, dude. Yeah, like, we had no hazing. It's a steadfast rule. Like, we're not doing that shit, and like, we're not doing any of the 
negative shit about a fraternity. And I was, I heard it for years and I'm like, whatever, I'm not a frat bro, dude. And like, man, looking back, it was one of the best things that I've ever done. Bar none. I mean, I got brothers all over the place. We've stuck together. We might not talk to each other for three, five, eight years and boom, fucking we're back at it, you know, and so creative. And like you know, all the things that people have done, you know, business, whatever, like people just, I guess we fed off the creativity, but like we're all mm-hmm. able to like be ourselves and not lose our individuality, like amongst this bigger thing. Like, and it was That's cool. cool. Like, every, you could, every race from every part of the world, Sweden to every part of America to every socioeconomical background. Like it didn't matter if you're from Compton or fucking Beverly Hills or New York or like, it didn't matter. We never cared about that shit. Like who, what your parents did or, how much money? Yeah, what kind of car? Well, dude had a brand new Beamer next to a fucking bucket in the parking lot. Didn't give a shit. I never heard anybody care about that stuff. And you know, it's twenty years later, and it's just it was not paying for friends. It was whatever. It's something like I'm very proud of. Like I might fucking tear up talking about that shit, but mm-hmm. it was, it's one of the best things I ever did was join this fucking frat at college. You know, like yeah. you know, I didn't graduate from college. Like I didn't do good. At, college at all but i met the most amazing people that i've worked with or even though you know that it got me into the business i mean all of this stuff came from you know taking a leap and going and then hating this frat thing so bad and then oh it's doing for the chicks bro like whatever you know but you know like said every dude over 15 yeah you know and it was never about that because we were already getting chicks other fraternities paid us to throw their parties they like, you know, that's we already had that. We're we're honestly the coolest people because we were just ourselves and we we're just ragtag bunch of whatever. At one point, won all the sports, had all the government, did all the entertainment. Like everyone hated it, but they had to like roll with it because, like, we're just managed to. Have, we weren't one thing. Everyone else was just one group of people that all acted the same. You know, all this frat, like they were frat. They yeah, Buffy, back- Muffy, and Tad, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And they just acted the same. They looked the same. But we were like, we got the best DJ in college. We got president of the whole college. We got a magician. We got a rapper. We got the, a guy, you know, 30 future lawyers that we didn't even know about, but they're handling whatever business they're in. We ran the radio station, we ran the fucking newspaper. I mean, you like, you name it. At one point, our group of people, and we we're the misfits. But we were running shit the whole time. They were calling us the misfits. Like every aspect of school in a way. Yeah. We did it well. We didn't stick it to people or, you know, we like, we wanted inclusive shit and make it like just cool. Yeah. We were, we were really ahead of its time when it comes to like being the Martin Luther King's dream. Like we had every race, like Gary told you together, all happy, smiling giving each other high fives hugs like we were a solid group of guys and on campus people could feel our energy and see it they were attracted to that positive energy and just like it was like we were magnets and um it was a wonderful experience just like gary said it was it was definitely a character building experience and we still have contacts from that experience. And then, you know what, as time goes on, we still have contacts that were in other fraternities that you ended up being friends with later on. Like back then it was more rivalry, but then as you mature Mm -hmm. and you into adulthood, you start realizing that those other secondary associates 
of other fraternities, other classmates. Those people became uh, good contacts and networks in business and in careers as well, too. So it was it was a character building time and I wouldn't replace it for anything. I think that was the best part of college. I mean, I don't remember what I even I don't remember anything that I learned yeah. in college. Nothing. I'm describing the military in quite a quite a lot of ways. Yeah, I was in the military. It's a brotherhood. The describing this, it's a brotherhood. It's a brotherhood. I love the fact that you guys are still all together. And I kind of want to ask, what does having relationships with creators of all kinds mean to you? Yeah, it's it's the foundation of my my life outside of my family and my wife and stuff. Yeah, I would say that. Somehow I've been connected and, and just I'm very grateful and blessed for this is that I've, I have a lot of interesting creative people in my life that, that just Gary is one of them. Um, and it's not just in the TV business, but people that are other specialty acts, people that are designers, other magic creators, uh, musicians, I'm somewhat of a connector in that regard. I think I help balance uh, other creators out in the sense of they look at me and say, wow, you're doing something pretty bizarre and different, but then I can help maybe allow them to see perspectives that they don't see maybe on the business side or just Mm -hmm. how to navigate creativity and the business of creativity, because as you guys said, it's very challenging. It's very difficult. Mm. You know, it doesn't always make sense. Like Gary said, putting art inside of business economic models, it's sometimes it doesn't make sense. So you have to learn how to navigate that. And I feel like maybe I'm a voice for my creative magic friends to lean on or to run ideas by or to brainstorm or to help solve problems or just to listen to them in their challenges or, you know, because it's challenging Mm. as an entertainer you know, as a creative yourself, right? <laughs> it's, and, 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 and with respect to anything else in life that comes with, that comes with building skills. But mm-hmm. as a creator, I can speak to the fact that it's, you have to love the bad parts about like the struggle. You have to love mm-hmm. the, the, sh- the shit, shitty parts about it, right? You have to love the struggle to be able to get yep. through to to the good times too. And then trying to find ways to fit this art or fit this creation piece into your career or to an, into an economic model is mm. sometimes next to impossible. But then sometimes you realize that it's not, you're not always doing it for the money and the money is just a part of it, you know, and you're doing it. For me, my mantra became, Everyone has different mantras or different, you know, whys or reasons. But mine is to create, to inspire. And how I arrived upon that was when I realized that I was going to be a magician. The funny story was, as I was in Las Vegas with my family, I was 12 years old and I hated Las Vegas so bad. I was, <laughs> I was stuck in the in the arcade 12 year old's dream no and at the time you know you couldn't really be close to the casino is really strict 
uh, even though they were trying to make it more family friendly at the time. But I was in the arcade room and it's tiny at the Mirage. It was not very big at all. And I had beat the games and I was just like, okay, I want to go. Like, this is silly. Like, I can't do anything. I can't go with my family anywhere. I can only go to the restaurants. Every time I'm on the casino floor, I feel like I have to like only be on the pathway. Like, so you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. So then, so then the story goes is, uh, our flight was canceled. So we had to stay another night. So I was like, oh man, I'm going to be here another night. This is, I don't want to be in this place. This silly. It smells like cigarettes and shade. Yeah. I want to go home. Hated Las Vegas. I hated it. So then my family thought it was a good idea. Like, hey, let's get them tickets. Let's go to the show Lance Burton, Master Magician at the Hacienda. This is before he was in the Monte Carlo. And the Hacienda Hacienda, just still. Classic old, old casino. You walk in, it feels like you're in old Vegas. And I was like, okay, let's go to the show, whatever. I go to the show. And if those that you don't know, that don't know about Lance Burton, he is like the the character role that he played was the classic magician from, you know, that wears the tuxedo with the tails. I love that he one. He has the dubs. It's very classic. And and he opens up his his show with the, at the time when he was doing it, with this, this world famous world championship act that he created. Uh, it's like a bird act. It's like a dove act, but it's with card manipulation and candles appearing and it's just so classic it's almost like you're seeing dracula or someone perform and he's very mysterious cool and it just captivated me and i just knew at that moment that i was going i I don't know what it was i just knew instantly i was like i am going to perform magic i i i had liked magic before but i was like i'm going to perform magic it wasn't even a question so from that point on so to get back to my mantra is that years later, I realized that Lance Burton, not knowing that he gave me the gift of inspiration to believe in yeah. whatever I wanted to do in, in this, you know, not that. So that's kind of what I realized is that I, that part of my creative purpose is to create presentations, not just with magic, but other entertainment projects that I'm involved with as well, create to inspire. So to inspire someone, not all to become magicians, but to believe in themselves, to be creative. Mm. It doesn't have to be with business. It can be with anything, but just be creative because the creative self is, is the essence that we were born with as children. And as you, you know, when you research that as we get older and older and you get into society and you go through school, your creativity gets stripped away from you by having to fit into society's mold of what they want you to be or what society wants you to be or, oh, you have to get this kind of career job so that you can do this okay. and blah, blah, blah. So, but my my mantra, my my service to people is to inspire them to believe in creativity, believe in what that natural thing that we were given at birth, I believe, is to be creative is to use your mind and your emotion and your energy to make something and share it and give it out. Bring imagination back to life. Yes. It's so, imagination is stifled at such an early age. We like to think that we have it, but if you're creating something for anybody other than yourself or somebody else's vision, you're not being imaginative. You're being creative with a construct or a box around you. You're not living to your full potential. 
when you have the ability to create something unhampered or unhindered, then you're going to pick something that is 10 times better. It's going to resonate with more people. It's the, it's the actors or musicians or entertainers that are, don't give two shits about money, like we've said, and are the ones that are being the absolute most original. Your Amy Winehouse, your, you know, Kirk Cobain or something like that, where people are just watching them fall into the ground, but they were doing it for the love of it. And that's it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's why we fall in love with those people. Um, I appreciate that you have a mantra that you want to inspire others because I myself am a, a late in life creator. Mm. I didn't start creating until my forties. I mean, I did jobs. I worked in so many different roles and I've made things, but they've always been for other people, other personalities, because like you said earlier, having an ego is not necessarily what people think it is. It's not shoulders up and macho. For some reason, that became like the description of what an ego is. Mm -hmm. Ego is really just the different mask on the shelf of an actor, mm -hmm. you know, and you pick it up and you put it on. If you commit the shit out of it, then you'll believe that you're that person and you'll do anything to feed that mask, mm -hmm. to give that mask the accolades it needs in order to not feel judged or the person under it to feel judged for whatever they're doing, mm -hmm. right? And when you step out there and you inspire people, you're giving us a chance to believe in ourselves and our capabilities. And I do like that you guys, both of you highlight that business and art is a very difficult line to walk. I don't know shit about this industry, even from my own perspective. I'm greenhorn, you know, I've never really done a whole lot of this, but one thing that I've tried to stick to, because I've done all of the other roles where you check blocks and you do these things. But the one thing that I've done with this and I keep open uh, is that if you build it, they will come. Just do the right thing every single day. Get up, make art, put it out. Get up, make art, put it out. That's all I do in the hopes that it resonates. If it resonates with one person, it's fucking great. If it resonates with a ton, even better. But I think that that's where that happiness is really at. When you start acting like yourself. Gary, are you alive? <laughs> I'm alive. <laughs>